0: Hello, welcome to GradCast, the official radio show and podcast of the Society of Graduate Students. We are here to bring Westerns research to the world. My name is Navneet, and I'm joined by my co-host, Roger. How are you doing? Doing pretty good, Roger. Yourself? Fantastic. Yep. Exciting show. Mm-hmm. It is. It's a special show. We are here to talk to Danny Bedner, Patrick Hill, and Zach Morris. So, Danny, you're, you're in the ge- Geography and Environmental... I'm in the Department of Geography here at Western, yeah. That's right. um. And Patrick and Zach, you guys are PhD students at the Planetary Science and Space Exploration.
1: Yep. Yeah, so we're in the part of the Center for Planetary Science and Space Exploration here at Western.
0: All right. And I'm really excited about what you guys have coming up this month which is the International Observe Moon Night. When is it happening? Uh, it's happening October 28th, mm-hmm.
2: 5 to 9 p.m. at Cronin Observatory here on campus. It's being That's organized by, by CPSX, uh, the Center for Planetary of Science and Exploration. Uh, Zach and Patrick will be giving talks. I'll be there volunteering, probably in the kids' section doing the activities, and yeah. there will be lots of good stuff going on.
3: Nice, so it's open to the public then
2: absolutely public event uh, to increase awareness of of the moon
3: a free public event
2: that's true free, it's free. yeah mm-hmm.
3: that's an important point mm-hmm.
2: free alcohol <laughs> no. No. no just free moon <laughs> just free
4: moon free moon if you enjoyed the ecl- eclipse this summer you'll love mm-hmm. you love seeing the moon through a telescope for sure
0: mm. that is cool yeah we had a huge turnout we had a huge turnout for the eclipse mm-hmm. event i hope you get an equally large one so mm-hmm.
3: Is that what this uh, International Observe the Moon Night is featuring? I'm I'm told that they're celebrating the eclipse of this year, past and present eclipses.
2: Oh, I don't know if uh, the eclipse Mm -hmm. itself is tied into Observe the Moon Night happens every year, uh, and it's just to celebrate kind of lunar science and and our appreciation of our understanding of the moon and stuff like that.
0: And
4: it happens all over the world? Yeah. Yeah. International Observe the Moon Night. So all over the world, Mm -hmm. people will be, I mean, different time zones, obviously, but in the evening, people will be looking up seeing the moon we all have the same moon <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: true <laughs> no, no jokes about that um so it's it kind of reminds me of a flash mob like where people just get together all over the world and a nerdy flash mob <laughs> a where people nerdy get together flash and mob. stare at the moon
2: that's cool yeah it's much safer than getting yeah. together and staring at the sun
0: Ah, that's <laughs> a good point ah. with binoculars and telescopes for the moon Yeah, 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 Yeah. definitely not for the sun.
3: So (laughs) So at the Cronin Observatory, will there be uh, telescopes or different uh, apparatuses for people to get a good look at the moon?
4: Yep. Yeah, so uh, Cronin Observatory has an older uh, telescope, I think it's a 12-inch telescope, built in the 1940s. So that one will be there. It's it's not as powerful as some of the modern telescopes that exist, but uh, members of the Royal Astronomical Society are usually on hand, and they bring... Um, smaller more modern telescopes that are also very good for viewing the moon Um, unfortunately Cronin being right here on campus we get a little uh, ambient city light so it's not the clearest view and hopefully there's no clouds that can that can really put a damper on observe the moon night Mm. Um, but there's usually multiple telescopes maybe a few binoculars out and uh, if you come by there will probably be a bit of a line but you'll get a chance to look through and see the moon
3: that's fantastic what an awesome event
0: all right so People turn up for this event and they're just curious about the moon, mm-hmm. and you guys are there to help them understand the moon better. So, Danny, you said you were working that you'd be volunteering the kids section. Most likely, yeah. Most yeah. likely. So, like, like what what kind of like what kind of an activity would that be? Like, what what does it involve? Uh, so that's
2: a good question. We'll have a number of arts and crafts activities designed. Um, for the kids, and then there will also be, I'm sure, some fact sheets and things for them to work with, coloring, stuff like that. Um, so as we move closer, we'll be posting exactly what what'll be going on in the kids zone
0: uh, downstairs. All right. So it's so it's a lot of storytelling and and just help like. Making making it fun to learn about the moon.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And there'll be some uh, excellent people there, like Zach said from the World Astronomy Society, with their telescopes. That kids will have questions when they're looking at it, uh, and even we'll be there as well to provide
3: any answers people have. That's fantastic. Is this your first time uh, volunteering with the event, or anything? Any events related to the moon? Uh, no, I've I've helped um,
1: with the previous one. I gave a talk, and I'm giving a talk at this one. Um, I'm trying to think.
3: I volunteered. For two years, I believe, yeah. Yeah, I think we've
4: we've all volunteered once or twice before.
3: Very cool. And uh, what would uh, the topic of your uh, talk be, Patrick? Uh, So I'm going to be talking
1: about the origin of the moon and how you formed the moon, or how we believe we formed the, well, how the moon formed. We had nothing (laughs) to do with it. Well, we had something (laughs) to do (laughs) with it.
3: (laughs) Um, So that's what my talk's going to be. Sounds very interesting. Mm Mm-hmm. And Zach, you also have a talk.
4: Yep, I'll also be giving a talk on my PhD research, um, which involves mapping the lunar surface. Uh, I use satellite imagery, very high-resolution satellite imagery, to look at the moon's surface, which is easier than Earth. There's no trees or water to get in the way. Oh, okay. Uh, So you just see the rocks, and uh, I make maps of impact craters, um, which are prevalent on the moon's surface. So um, the main impact crater I've mapped is sort of on the left side of the moon. You can't see it from Earth, but it's really big. So having this talk and then getting people to see the moon, they might be able to see just the edge of this giant impact crater um, just to the left of, of the moon. Wow. Yeah. He, co-
2: he colors pictures of the moon. Yeah, it's, <laughs> a lot of,
4: it's a lot of uh, coloring of different rock units and trying to see what rocks went where after the impact.
0: Sweet. Yeah. So yeah. you said you mentioned, that you mentioned that there are no trees and water to get in the way of viewing the moon. Mm. So is it true that we actually know more about the moon's surface than the ocean's? than the ocean bed is that
4: it's a good question i'm not an oceanographer but (laughs) um i know that we've probably have more samples of the moon than like the deep ocean crust although we we have a good understanding of how the ocean crust and and continental Mm -hmm. crust formed so Mm -hmm. i would say that we might be on par Uh, we definitely need more missions to both the bottom of the ocean and to the moon to really understand
3: so so on that note so uh would the moon have these uh, uh moving tectonic plates or would it be uh, active in the same way that earth is
4: That's a great great question. Um Patrick does study the formation of the moon. so He might be giving a better answer to this, but the moon doesn't have tectonic plates uh, like the earth does. Uh it doesn't have an active geophysical system. Um okay. Like it's dead. Well, it's it's a it's more of a solid body, uh whereas the earth is Uh, Think of it as a shell of of crust that's kind of broken into large plates that shift around. The moon is one coherent shell around. It does have a mantle and a core just like Earth does, Mm -hmm. um, but it doesn't have the plates that shift around.
3: Now, I know this is specifically about International Observe, the Moon night, but I am curious. Is Earth the only planet currently that we know of that that has these uh, geophysical forces? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we don't have any evidence for plate tectonics on uh, any other
1: planetary body. Um, There's a thought that there might be, um, but we haven't seen any evidence of it. Potentials could be uh, Europa. We see fissures forming on ice. bodies, but I don't think that's the same as plate tectonics. There's some interesting magnetic signatures from Mars that could be Mm. um, remnants of it. Uh, There's a big debate about maybe it turned off in some planets, um, because Venus's surface is very young, and we don't really fully understand why it's so young. But yeah, the current understanding is that Earth is the only place that you can see plate tectonics.
3: Wow, and would that have any uh, implication for finding life on other planets? Well, um, I mean, an active planet
2: tends to have more heat and energy moving to its surface, which are things that life likes. Um, So certainly the kind of the deader bodies that we look at, like Moon, Mercury, um, those aren't really places we're expecting to find life. Now, that's for a number of reasons, but certainly a lack of geologic activity is not... One of the th- boxes you look to check off to find life.
4: It's not to say the moon is completely inactive. It right. has experienced volcanism and earthquakes or moonquakes in the past, hmm. um, but currently it's pretty still. Unless you get a, an impact coming in, then it'll it'll shake around, forming a little moonquake nowadays. But it's pretty pretty stable. Right. You, you mentioned an impact.
0: You mentioned the impacts on the moon. So uh, do these impacts still happen? Mm. Are they happening on an ongoing basis, like right now?
4: Yeah, uh, so there's small micro-impacts that happen Mm -hmm. all the time. Um, uh, In the past, larger impacts were much more prevalent, which is a good thing for us, I mean, especially on Earth. We don't want to see a lot of impacts happening nowadays, that we have cities and things that need to hold together. (laughs) Um, But there's evidence of it on the Moon. You can look back in time and see. um, It it appears that there was a large spike of impacts uh, when the solar system formed, and then when the planet's settled into the orbits that they have now. Uh, Some of the asteroids in the asteroid belt got kicked in. They call it the late heavy bombardment. There was just a heavy period of activity. Lots of big impacts happened. Uh, Luckily, the moon took a lot of those impacts for us. Hmm. Then when that quieted down, we're talking about the time when life started to evolve on Earth. Um, So it got a little bit quieter in the inner solar system. And since then, it's been mostly small impacts.
0: How do we know these impacts happen? We actually capture them with
1: satellite imagery. So we currently can see uh, flashes within shadowed regions of the uh, moon, when, depending on where it is in its cycle. So we can observe actual f- um, events that occur. Uh, we also have seen them on other planets. Um, the Shoemaker yeah. is into Jupiter. We watched it collide. Um, so Goodbye, Shoemaker. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, yeah, there's also craters, obviously, so not only can we see the impacts happening when we look at the darkened areas of the Moon by little flashes, but of course when we look at the Moon, what do we see? Evidence that it was and is constantly being bombarded by collisions. Of course, now we mostly see smaller ones.
3: Very interesting. I- and the main reason that the Moon gets uh, bombarded with these uh, asteroids and not the Earth w- would be that they don't have an atmosphere around the Moon? So. It isn't so. Both
1: the moon and the Earth are bombarded with a similar flux. Okay. The difference is the amount of material that makes it to the ground because is, is dependent on that atmosphere effect. Okay. Um, so if something, uh, if a small object is going towards the moon, it's more likely to hit the surface than on the Earth mm-hmm. because of air resistance. Um, so the flux is assumed to be about the same. It's a product of how far you are from the asteroid ba- belt mainly, mm-hmm. with the exception of, say, comets and far space objects coming inwards. Yeah. Um, so
3: uh, yeah,
1: they're hit about the same.
3: And you spoke about the uh, late bombardment phase. Uh, I'm mm. not sure I got that name correct, but is there potential for another phase mm. like that to happen soon or in the S-
2: future? So thankfully, that was like if you're playing pool when you break. Late late heavy bombardment was a little bit like that. Um, Later in the game, our solar system has a lot fewer things on the table kicking around. Now, there are still lots of things in our solar system, uh, but they're not being whipped around the way they were when our solar system first formed, which is a very violent period uh, where we had lots of, as I tell my students, just stuff, for lack of a better word. There's just lots of stuff in our solar system. Uh, And through the last four billion years, that stuff has either accreted into big planets or been blown away or destroyed uh, as it crashed into planets. So thankfully, we're now on a solar system pool table that is much less busy. Um, but, of course, things can still happen, but uh, no late heavy bombardment is uh, going to be repeated.
3: That's a great thing. What a great time to be alive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's no coincidence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, that makes sense. Is that really how the dinosaurs would have went extinct from some kind of a bombardment like that?
1: Yeah, so the main reason, uh, evidence for it, is the Chicxulub impact crater in Mexico. Uh, And that was a large impactor that collided with the Earth and caused catastrophic environmental change. Mm -hmm. Um, There is also suggestions that it coincided with a large amount of volcanic activity on Earth with the opening of an area in India called the Deccan Traps. Um, So... It seems like there was climate change in occurring, and then it just finished off with the impactor c- colliding in Mexico. Wow. So yeah, they are very dangerous events, and are important that they don't happen in our lifetime. The dinosaurs had really bad luck. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> you mentioned this. You mentioned this collision. Like, so how big was this? Was this object that collided? How big uh, are our estimates?
2: S- I think it's on the order of tens of kilometers, Mm -hmm. I
0: think?
1: I
2: believe so. The impact basin is enormous. Mm -hmm. It's under largely the Gulf of Mexico at the moment and took a long time to find. Actually, only found it relatively recently, uh, I think in my lifetime. Um, Mm -hmm. But it was an object of of significant rarity, though. Um, So, as with anything, most things, uh, the really big events are also very rare. Uh, So that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, We don't expect anything like this to happen anytime soon. Um, But yes, like I said, the dinosaurs had pretty bad luck.
3: Wow. Uh, Just in an effort to to stay a little bit uh, on topic with the moon, and just Mm -hmm. because there's so much that we don't know about uh, this emerging field, uh, I'm curious if we can go into some questions that the public's actually sent in. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have a few uh, very interesting questions, uh, some jokes, some Uh, more serious questions and yeah go through a few of those with you now Yep. go ahead sure i'll start off so i'm actually curious uh to know uh why the moon uh sometimes changes color
2: Mm. i'll go okay so the moon itself isn't changing color that's good okay Um, uh, (laughs) Okay. what's happening is our atmosphere is changing uh essentially what colors we're able to see as we look towards the moon And when the moon is very low often if you're seeing a red or orange moon uh, it's towards the horizon or practically halfway under the horizon and that's because as you're looking at it at that point uh, you're looking through a significant amount of atmosphere Hmm. and when you look through that much atmosphere most of the blue light that we're used to seeing from the moon isn't getting through but the red is and this is a reflection of the way that light can pass through matter Uh, red light has a better way of passing through Earth's atmosphere than blue light, Fair so enough. we see a red harvest moon, uh, okay. and that's the moon is changing color
3: essentially because you're looking at it through more atmosphere. So, so you mentioned blue light, and that, that's the reason that we see a, a gray moon, is because more blue light's coming through? Um, I, I'm just curious if there's right. any truth to, to the expression once in a blue moon.
4: So, mm. fun fact about that, uh, a blue moon isn't actually you're seeing a blue disk in the sky. Okay. That term actually refers to the the rare occurrence where you get two full moons in one month. So the moon, uh, as you know, goes through phases. Yeah. Uh, it'll start off with a new moon, which is a blank disk. It's kind of, there's no sunlight hitting the earth. Uh, then you'll get a crescent to halfway and then it becomes a full moon and so on. And it repeats every month. So usually you get one full moon and one new moon in a month. Um, but usually once every few years it, the cycle just happens to fall that within one calendar month you get two completely full moons and that second one is called a blue moon so it's yeah it's not very common which is why you get the expression
3: i'm learning so
0: much today <laughs> all right so the next question that i have is um, what does the moon smell like mm. or what does it taste like for that Oh well, we could go
2: taste it right now. Actually, um, oh. we we have some moon dust here at Western. Mm. I won't no say way. where. No <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Uh, Patrick. No, Patrick can access it. So yeah, um, I could do a taste test. So we could go I find won't. out. But <laughs> and I also don't think it'd be enough material to actually taste it. Mm-hmm. But you could yeah. put it on your tongue. Yeah, it would just, just taste like dust. Yeah, um, but you could find. Have s- you
1: tasted it? No. Okay. <laughs> I have not wasted my moon samples by my looking it. <laughs> um, it would just really taste very dusty and rocky. And you can find similar material on Earth. So if you ever go to Hawaii, you can grind up some of the volcanic rocks you see there mm. and lick that if you really want to know. will <laughs> be yeah. s- it, You won't be able to taste the chemical difference
2: between the moon and the Earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there wouldn't be much of a smell i mean if you're well
4: the apollo astronauts reported it so when they were walking around on the moon surface their suits got covered in dust and the only way they had to get back inside the lunar module mm. take off the suits uh when it got into the oxygen rich atmosphere some of the iron started mm-hmm. to oxidize so they reported it smelled a bit metallic um yeah yeah because you can't so you do need you
2: need up. an air atmosphere to mm. smell it right so
4: yeah if you're on the moon you don't oh. want to be trying to sniff anything you You need the air.
3: I guess the first time that that dust was exposed to oxygen was inside of the spacecraft. Uh, Certainly to that mix, I would say. Yes, so there is oxygen bound in the rocks.
2: molecular.
1: Yeah, uh, but it's not O2 and has never been exposed to O2 gas, and so it's um, what we call a reducing environment. It's not the same as what we experience on Earth Um, because obviously there aren't... Uh, plants photosynthesizing on the moon.
3: Great point. Uh, So another question uh, sent in from a uh, commenter online. Um, So if uh, there were to be life on the moon, Mm. uh, would it be edible? Mm -hmm. And uh, if so, what would it taste like?
2: Whew. Uh. And even it if it was edible, based? I mean, I, I,
1: I guess you would need something that was probably silica-based because that's all that's really abundant is a lot of silica. Yeah,
2: there's not a lot of, of vol Yeah, yeah. Uh, not a lot of what we call volatiles on the moon, which is most of what we eat. In
3: water, carbon-based. Yeah, okay.
4: The uh, yeah, the moon is actually considered a fairly safe place to do um, additional planetary research because it's so dry and lacks an atmosphere in any biological environment. So so if you you send something to Mars, uh, which is an environment that may have hosted life in the past or could still host very small bits of life, we have to be very careful to sterilize everything we send to not contaminate the environment. Uh, But the moon has been judged as essentially just a dead rock in space. So we don't have to worry so much about contaminating the life that's there or, um, you know, bringing microbes or macroscopic life. So, unfortunately, to the question asker, not much life to taste, uh, (laughs) but good for science. We don't have to worry about it.
1: I guess you can make the joke that maybe it would taste like
3: cheese. Hmm. Oh yeah, (laughs) actually, that's an answer
0: to the previous question too. mm, There you go. Actually, we got someone asking a question: If the moon were a type of cheese, what would it be? Mm. Right. Oh. So
2: we've, we've had this discussion. Yeah. It's uh, old, so it's aged. It'd be, it'd be, as the French say, a fort. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be very strong and hard. Yeah. Yeah. Sweat it's dusty. It has holes. sort of like <laughs> a
1: feta that it would break up. Yeah. It'd be mm. brittle. <laughs>
2: uh, Crumbly. Yeah. I don't know what you call it, though. Very expensive. Luna. 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 Oh, that's a Luna great cheese. name. Yeah. yeah <laughs> Luna cheese. Yeah, it's not bad. <laughs>
3: So we got another one here. Um, there's been talks of a lunar space station. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you know of any of the reasons behind this, and, and who might benefit from this?
4: Yeah.
2: Well, everyone. Uh, would well.
4: <laughs> yeah. That's the short answer. It's
1: a bit of a
2: biased <laughs> opinion. Yes. I think. Well,
4: I just I uh, last week was uh, I attended a meeting in uh, Maryland called the Lunar Exploration and Analysis Group meeting or league, okay. um, and that was sort of it's a meeting of scientists that help advise NASA. Um, and there was a lot of talk at what they call the Deep Space Gateway, which is, you can think of it as a small version of the International Space Station, but in orbit around the moon. Um, and what that would allow, if, if NASA builds it and assembles it out there, is for people to send things to the space station and then just take a short trip from the space station down to the lunar surface. So it lets you access the lunar surface very easily, mm-hmm. and it allows you to communicate with people or rovers that you put on the moon. So it's sort of like uh, a gateway to reaching the lunar surface, and then helps us better understand the technology we would need to reach other planets in the future.
3: Wow! And and, and all of your research uh, has something to do with the moon and outer space. Um, so it it, mu- it must uh, be of great benefit to, to everyone if if uh, we could actually get to the moon and do some of the research on its actual surface.
1: Yeah. So the the we obviously a lot. There's a common opinion that. We've been to the moon, and we've done it. Uh, But there are still a lot of unanswered questions that we have about the moon, and particularly with the fact that the Apollo missions really sampled the near side of the moon. There's a lot of uh, geologic questions we have that we could better understand through more samples. And that's why almost all space agencies uh, are interested in going back to the moon to get more samples. Um, In terms of doing work on the surface, I think a lot of it would be shipped back to Earth laboratories because mm. that's the we have the equipment already here, and it's cheaper than building it on the moon. Mm-hmm. But certainly could do a lot more if we had more samples.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, we have a question. We have an interesting question mm. from one of our mm, Facebook posts. Is it is it is there only one moon or do we have mm. more?
2: So. We've had this, I've had, I've re- hmm. <laughs> it's controversial. Um, we have one sta- consistent satellite, which is, well, I guess we have one consistent natural satellite, which is our moon. Um, but there are, uh, I guess we could call them asteroids that enter into Earth's orbit uh, for periods, uh, which makes them periodically satellites of the Earth uh, at very far distances, mm-hmm. and they're quite small objects. Um, So, there has been identification of them, especially in popular science articles, sometimes just I guess to get clicks, Earth has a second moon, or second moon discovered, which obviously sounds like something you want to read about. Um, But to my understanding of the situation is it's it's a small object that is temporarily or periodically orbiting the Earth, uh, as it's in a much larger solar orbit going around the sun. Uh, So, for all intents and purposes, we have our one natural moon. Very close and very large, uh, and then we have these little things once in a while
3: coming around. Very, very cool. Uh, I want to ask at least one more question, and any of you can field it if you'd like. But uh, one of your favorite moon facts, Hmm. please. Um, so my favorite
1: oh, moon (laughs) fact. Oh, oh, uh, my favorite moon fact is the fact that moon samples come to Earth through lunar meteorites, something hits the moon knocks off a big chunk, and it comes here, because that's, I partly study those, mm. so it, wow. instead of going to the moon, some of it comes to us, and that's helpful, and wow. I like it.
2: The first science fiction film is called Le Voyage à the Moon, or something like that, <laughs> I guess, uh, Le, Lune, Le Voyage à la Lune, it's about a guy going to the moon, um, so that's a fun moon fact.
4: Yeah. Mm-hmm. You want one more? Uh, the yeah, uh, You can start to do a little bit of basic lunar geology from home. If you look at the moon on a good full moon night, you'll see dark patches and light patches. The light patches are what we call the lunar highlands. Um, they're essentially mountains on the moon. The dark patches are the lunar lowlands. They're a lot lower, uh, and they're made out of material that used to be uh, a molten lava ocean. So they're called lunar mare, which is Latin for sea, uh, which is kind of appropriate given that they were once kind of lava oceans on the moon. So now they look like burnt puddles, which is what they are.
0: Alright, so it looks like we're nearly at the end of our our allotted time now. So we gotta wrap this up now, right? I really wanna thank you guys for turning up over here, taking time out of your research and being here, like even f- even just, you know, organizing this whole event on the twenty eighth of October. Like thanks. That's that's a big thing for Western. And that event's gonna be happening at
3: the Cronin Observatory.
2: Yeah, and there's a wonderful team uh, that that is not the three of us that is also helping to put that on uh, more directly uh, from the Center for Planetary Science and Exploration and their outreach uh, coordinator, Parshadi Patel, uh, who, if you have any questions about space activities at Western or in London, is the person to talk to.
3: Great, great. And that's gonna be from 5 to 9 p.m. on the 28th.
0: Yep. Yep. Hope to see you there. All right. So Zach, Danny and Patrick, thanks for turning up over here. You are, uh, you guys are listening to Gradcast, which is the official radio show and podcast of SOGS. You, this is the CHRW channel, and you can catch us every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Check us out at gradcast.ca, or you could email us at gradcastradio at gmail.com if you're ever thinking about volunteering or if you want to be a part of the show. Hmm. My name is Navneet, and my co-host here is Roger. Thank you for listening.